Coming to you from the empty halls of McGrath High School, this is the Viral Buzz. My name's Jordan Brame and I will be your host. Let's dive in. All right, guys. Well, as promised, we are doing a special episode with only the content from the interview that I had with Heather Burton. This episode is primarily going to be for parents. Heather is a mother of 12 and has lots of experience as a homeschool mom, as a teacher in the actual school system. And so she has seen both sides of of the playing field, as it were. There's lots of great information here for any parents that feel like they are struggling with the new system of learning that has been implemented by the Alberta government. So if you are looking for some information or some tips or tricks, give this episode a listen. You are going to love it. I'm here with Heather Burton. Now, Heather has a long history with homeschool. Um, she definitely does a lot with our school division with distance learning um, and kind of home structured learning. Um, but I guess without without me telling you what Heather does, Heather, what what can you tell us about your background with homeschool? Um, how many kids did you have? How long did you homeschool? What's your current role? Sure. Yeah, so I um, I started teaching in about 1989, and I taught for a couple of years in Ontario in public schools, and then I um, my husband and I made the decision that um, we would do a full-time parent in the home, and we started on nine children at that time, so, um, and then along that journey, we also had this strong impression, probably Um, I did particularly, that whatever our children were going to need to do in their future adult lives required a different kind of education. So for 25 years, I was a homeschool mom and did some other things, community-based education, and I ran an organization for um, families who are also homeschooling. And then six years ago, I took up full-time teaching again. I work at Westwind Alternate School. I um, work with grades one through nine primarily. I have um, probably an average of about 25 students a year that spread across those grades. And it's a program that's highly interactive with families. And um, our children here at the school are with us for a wide range of reasons. Um, Some of them um, are because their parents have also chosen this home-centered learning environment, but um, but are also interested in a full-on Alberta curriculum education. So they're balancing those two things. And I'm their um, teacher slash cheerleader slash <laughs> It sounds like you're kind of a little bit of whatever they need you to be. Well, it's true, although I am beholden to uh, professional standards and right. also to the Alberta curriculum. And I also occasionally teach grade 10 um, English and grade 10, 11 creative writing. So that's the background. So you pretty much can and have done it all. Um, uh, that's, it, that's quite a resume. <laughs> if, you, if you live long enough. 
and I'm 57, you probably do do it all just by virtue of uh, years. But I feel like I feel like I've really been fortunate because I've been able to be immersed in some really neat um, educational methodologies and philosophies. And that's actually a huge passion of mine. I'm, I'm super interested in the philosophy of education and of learning and why and how we do that the best. So that's awesome. Um, and now with the, with this current situation, um, everything kind of is, is up in the air again with, uh, with not being able to have the kids in school with us. Um, and, and so here we are learning an, a new set of skills and a new, uh, a new way to do things a little bit. Um, it's, it, I feel like it never stops, eh? No. Um, so one of the things that, that I've seen, and I'm sure that you've seen as you've, as you've talked to friends and, and other people there in your community, um, I hear a lot of parents that are feeling extremely overwhelmed, um, there's a lot of jokes going around social media about uh, I've been a teacher for two days and I've already expelled three of my students and, you know, parents that are just really finding that, that man, this teaching gig is not as easy as I sort of thought it was. Um, So with that in mind and with, uh, you know, all of your experience and, uh, and everything that, that you bring to the table in the different hats that you've worn, um, what advice do you have for parents as we're going through this new phase in our, in our learning and in our education for these children? Like, how do you structure your day? How do you make sure work is getting done? How do you deal with kids that aren't motivated to work? Like what sort of things would you tell parents that are looking for some help? Well, that's a, those are great questions. And I have been reflecting on them a lot because I'm kind of at the intersection of some of those conversations. I um, do some writing and publishing online and I manage a Facebook page that's about actually home-based learning. And so um, I have really honestly been thinking about this a lot and then reflecting on our family's experience because as as amazing as it was, we, we lasted or chose the length of time that we did, right, for all of our children to have those experiences, Um, not because it was easy, and not because it was perfect, and not because it actually even covered all of the bases where, you know, we felt like our children needed um, growth and some, you know, life experience. It It was because it worked well and sort of called us to rise to the situation. And I think that's where all of these parents find themselves right now. So so if I were to kind of condense what really probably is a book length, you know, um, set of dispatches from from the the field, it would be something like this. First and foremost, I um, classroom centered education and home centered education have some primary differences and some of that is so self-evident right like you just your environment is different who's involved is different um you know dynamics it's very difficult for a parent for example to wear an additional hat that children perceive that a teacher normally wears and that's the role of educator right teacher right and so 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say that, like, I, I feel like that is one of the main structures is that, sorry, struggles, is that the roles that have been so concrete are now very fluid. You go from being being teacher to being principal, to, you know, yeah, like, exactly. you have to do it all. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Social convener, all of it, right? Like, you're, mm-hmm. you're and, and under the current circumstances, there are lots of things that kind of um, multiply the difficulty of, of fulfilling those roles anyway. If you have a child with anxiety, they could be, you know, not their usual <clears throat> self, and, and it could really be magnified, some of the challenges that both parents and, and children are facing. So here, here's what I would say. First of all, I would expect that there needs to be some kind of accommodation for a change, the change, just the change. And so in sort of radical homeschool circles, and, um, and I really do empathize with both, you know, I'll call them camps, but that's not really because really it's all one great learning team, whether in the classroom or whether at home. Like I feel like the way that we interact with our students here at Western Alternate is a real team-based approach. And that really hasn't changed. It's just maybe the the percentage of contribution to the team or the types of contributions have shifted, right, between parent and teacher and child. Right. And so, um, so the first thing I would say is, and this kind of comes from this, this radical homeschool philosophy, which is that um, school, um, the setup of school, public school, private school, whatever it is, but formal schooling is, is um, it's a system that, and a system that exists for specific reasons, right? And, and one of those is managing groups of students uh, in an efficient and effective way. And that is not the case in your house. You you have a group of students for sure if you have more than one child, but you also have just a, a a different set of dynamics. So you don't need to use some of the classroom organizational manners or tools or procedures that you would normally have. So in in homeschool circles, when a child comes out <coughs> of their classroom and begins to educate at home, we often call it school detox. And it's not because school is so poisonous, it's because it's a it's a habitual set of routines that don't necessarily serve home-based learning really well. And so I would expect for I don't know for a week that you start to just allow that natural mindset shift to happen and that you take it easy. I, you know, this is coming from a teacher who has parents who are, you know, um, choosing this type of education, but they're very conscientious. They're very invested in their children's education. Like all parents are, all caring parents are invested in their children's education. And I will say that I've always thought that conscientious parents were all home-based learners anyway, right? They practice these kinds of things. They provide a stimulating environment. They want to know what their kids are learning. They try to, you know, as best they can with all their other day-to-day concerns, they try to keep up with what's going on. And so just let that space happen where you get used to the fact that everybody's going to be together in the morning. And there are routines that parents have to do and children have to do. Watch and observe how these things are going. I would definitely not say free for all because it's very hard to rein that back in, right? Like where 
sleep as long as you want, stay up late as you want, do electronics as much as you want. No, no, no. But um, here's here's how it worked best for our family is um, we we allowed for flow. That's one thing, because at various times and with various ages of children, somebody was sick, somebody was a baby, somebody had needs that needed to be met at a certain given time. When we had teenagers and babies in our home, there were vastly different needs for those, you know, two sort of demographics within our home. And so what worked really well for us is to make sure that the learning day started the night before with a decent bedtime. And that's very difficult to do when you have, you know, teenagers or you're a night owl or as a parent or whatever. But if everybody gets to bed on time the next morning, I guarantee you will go much, much more smoothly. And then, you know, it's up, do the family routines, be cool. I 100% suggest no electronic devices at all until you've established the tone for the day, the intention and tone for the day. So if your kids wake up and the first thing they want to do is hop online so that they can see what their teacher sent them or so that they can, you know, play their favorite educational quote unquote game <laughs> or whatever it is, I would just say, I would say, don't, don't get together, feed yourselves, clean up, nourish, you know, all of the things that you need to do as a family. And then in our family at about nine o'clock, we congregated in the living room and we, um, we had a kind of a you know, one for all, all for one meeting. And in our case, because of our religious background and things, we would sing an uplifting song. We had a prayer. I know this sounds like way too formal for some people, <laughs> but, but I'll tell you what it did. I'll tell you what it did. It ordered our brains, right? It ordered our brains and signaled the beginning of something intentional. And so, and then we'd have some, you know, conversation about an inspiring piece of literature. I really love poetry. So sometimes I'd read poetry. I know I'm sounding so much like a homeschooler here, but well, no, but, you know, I feel like, like all of the things that you're saying there, I feel like are things that you, that, that we see like as classroom teachers, those are things that we do. Maybe not like, like sing a song and, and say a prayer, yeah. but in the classroom, like those first few minutes of class are super important. Like any classroom teacher yeah. will tell you that if, yeah. if kids come in, and it's just a free for all, then you never get that class back. That's right. And so it's, it's all about setting yourself up for success. And so I feel like that is a really transferable skill that probably a lot of parents might not understand or might not know just because they haven't been in that environment before. So I think that's great, great advice. Yeah. And also I think it's, I, you know, I think it's analogous to setting the learning target, right? Like you really, you're really trying to help make sure that everybody there's no mystery. This is this is what we're doing together today. And it is exciting. Like we've got this opportunity to do this very um, important and very um, forward moving kind of, you know, proactive kind of um, activity today. And we've got this precious time and the time will go by so fast. You will not believe. I know that if you're in quarantine, it probably feels like you hear the <laughs> clock tick all the time, right? But but I but it doesn't have to be that way. When 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 people are engaged, and I'll say something about all the people in the family are engaged, when people are engaged, you enter flow, right? And and it 
um, and the time will go by fast and it's treasured. It is absolutely treasured. Now, not every day is going to be like that and it will take practice to get this, right? Like it absolutely takes absolutely. And And there are lots of disruptors too. <clears throat> You know, some things will change and, you know, mom and dad also have their concerns in their work and things like that. And so adaptation is is the name of this game, flexibility and adaptation. Right. So, right. so we started off with this little routine, set the tone for the day. Um, and then our family, because of a, it just worked really well with all the ages, we would read first. We would often go straight into reading and because mostly that could be done independently and or in a team where an older child was assigned to a younger child. And we just have kids like flopped all over the house and on the floor. Everybody had books available to them. Um, you know, if the libraries are closed right now and you don't have a home library, you might have to get creative and scout around from neighbors or friends or grandma and grandpa or something like that to find material. Just, I know there's lots online. Just a, a, just a, a quick thing for, uh, for anybody that is in that situation. I talked to the to the librarians at our library. Mm -hmm. And the, so the library is closed to the public, but if you phone the library and say that you want to come and check out some books, they will meet you at the door, let you in, let you check out your books, and then you're on your way. So it's, it's almost like by appointment only. So anyone that's feeling like they don't have access to books, make sure you use that as a resource because not having something good to read is the best way to kill that reading time mm -hmm. when when people are reading stuff that they don't want to read. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I totally agree. And that is such a great tip. That's that's a really good thing. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, so so we would start out with this reading and sometimes that would go <clears throat> wrong. And sometimes if people weren't gelling that day and you know somebody's got is antsy, then you know we'd cut it maybe shorter, it'd be 20 minutes instead of an hour and a half or something like that. Because we really did get into a rhythm where that was the big part of the day. And when I say reading, it wasn't always silent, right? Somebody would peep up and say, Hey, did you know? And then we would stop and have a little conversation. Or quite often, I read aloud to the kids, and we had a supply of special toys. This is another little practical tip. <laughs> hot tip coming in. Hot tip coming in. <laughs> is, um, we actually sort of quarantined toys. Certain toys were actually only available during home-based learning time. And so, so those became something to look forward to, whereas you know, it also controlled mess, right? Because yeah. we had a huge supply of Lego and it would be dragged out during um, read aloud time in our home and we would spill it all out on a great big blanket and then the kids could sit and play Lego and quite often older children would join right in and it would be almost like this kind of meditative kind of thing like they would do you know creative play I would be reading and um and often it was a book that would fit the um uh interests of all the family members and we read widely it wasn't you know just the current you know fantasy novel that everybody right. loved you know adventure and novels that were classic to me when I was a child anyway so sure. so that was that was what worked best for that part of the morning and then we also had routines that were reliable now Children, I mean, like that were set during the day. So everybody wrote something, free write, journal. Um, some of the older kids had assignments they were working on. They had a curriculum that was related to language arts. They would work in that. And so um, this is where, you know, after this kind of 
establish the day and we also would go over people's schedules you know what do we what do we need to you know plan for today do we have errands that have to be done or appointments or things like that and you know what's supposed to be ready for scouts for tonight or that kind of thing and um and so that all happens in that planning meeting and it also clarifies gives kids the chance to look at their own plan and set some targets for themselves because if it, if the if the goal has buy-in from the person who makes the goal, things go like 110% better. I, I could not agree more. I feel like, like to me, as I'm looking at the landscape of education and the way that things have changed, I feel like the one huge opportunity that we have here is to help kids take ownership of their learning more Absolutely. because they aren't going to be spoon-fed. Yeah. And so I love, I love that, that thought, um, just to, to focus on some learning goals, yeah. have the kids, have the kids, cause, cause really like as teachers, we have lim- even now, like we have limitations on how many hours, assignable hours, mm-hmm. um, we're giving students work for. And so, you know, when it comes down to it, like in some classes, a student is only going to get two hours a week. Of, of, of a certain material. And so there is time that can be filled there. And so I love the way that you're structuring this where it's almost like the, the parent is like the homeroom teacher yep. and, and they are the one that is ultimately solely responsible for that class of students. Mm-hmm. And then, and then you send them out to do the assignment that this teacher has given them, or then you put them on Google classroom or, mm-hmm. or they work on different curricular things. But I, I love that concept of, having some goals based on what those teachers are giving you, not just letting yourself be spoon fed. Mm-hmm. And, and those, you know, those assignments could actually um, go by pretty quickly. And then you've got a child who's, you know, sort of at loose ends and there are usually some default entertainment things that they just want to go to. But if everybody else is studying, it could be really difficult to kind of keep focus. Right. right. And so, so I, I would also suggest a, a, an intentional family meeting to make the mother of all lists of things that you can do with your learning time that um, that is not, you know, going to disrupt other people, right? And right. so, like, make a scroll, right? Post it, because it's not always present in children's minds for a couple of reasons. One is, we're all people, and we like to do the easier thing first, right? Or sure. the thing that gives us pleasure. But the other thing is, is they're quite used to being um, told what to do during their learning time, right? Like, there's a plan, right. an instructional, you know, um, process and all of these things. And so, um, so if that list is available, so seriously, I would just say, and this was our family motto, all Burtons learn from nine till noon, everybody, <laughs> baby to mother, right? And, <clears throat> and, and that's that little piece I'd like to say too, that it is a lot easier for children to buy into, this is our learning time, if, if the supervising parent, in as much as it is possible, is actually actively learning his or herself, his yeah him or herself as well. Um, and, and that setting could look example. like I'm reading. Yeah, setting an example. Because really, what how, you know, how do we expect our children to do something we're not willing to do? So if I'm sitting on my phone, you know, you know, <laughs> through emails or Pinterest or doing doing the things I would normally maybe uh, do. You guys get back to those essays. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, buckle down. Come on. Like, what are you yeah. thinking? And so anyway, that's what it was. Everybody did learning from nine till 12. And it was fairly, like I say, in this manner structured, right? So we had plans, we had things to do. Kids had lessons. They were, they, mostly my children were in, um, they had uh, something to guide their learning anyway, that was self-directing. And, um, and then I was the person who was there to answer all the questions, just make sure that, you know, the fights didn't break out or that they were resolved quickly because conflict was inevitable. There were a lot of us in, a, you know, a limited space of um, limited space. And so um, anyway, and then and then we would do lunch together. And then if there were small children, they took a nap. And then afternoon was creative learning to the max. Right. We just used that right. time for projects, for hobbies. For um, art supplies, it was almost always messy. We would quite often do sort of extension kind of activities off of a topic that we'd been studying. We used the idea of unit studies a lot in our family. So we would be, you know, gung-ho about a topic for a certain period of time. And that's where things happen, like, you know, the kids go out to plan out a dig in the side yard, right? They plotted out. We learned from an archaeologist how you do this thing and they have the tools and they do it. And it's a little too unfortunate that our weather here is um, still a little bit um, too cold to just, you know, start digging around in dirt or going for rambles or even, you know, to the national park or something like that. But we're, we're right in that in that middle phase where it's like you're not yeah. outside building snow caves. Yeah, exactly. And you're not quite ready to build a tree fort. Not yet. <laughs> yeah. See, although it's, although it's tough timing. Although right now it's a really important transitional time for lots of plants, for animals, for, you know, for the trees in our yards and that kind of thing. It's great observation. So anyway, that's what our day looked like. Nine till 12, full on, everybody learns and, and very intentional and trying to minimize things that pull focus away. So we tried to minimize how much the learning happened online at that time. Mm -hmm. and, then, and then at other times, it was it was totally... That, that was the focus, right? Like, what can we learn from this National Geographic video? What can we learn from this um, awesome educational, you know, science mom or, you know, on YouTube or something like that? So, yeah, that's how we structured it. You know, I, I find that really interesting. And I, I'm going to ask you just a follow-up question here. When yeah. you said that <clears throat> there was times that you stayed away from online learning, but then there was times that you really dove into it. Yes. Did you find that the kid that your kids pushed the boundaries? Like when you said, you know, right now we're we're not going to be on Google, we're not going to be doing that. Did they push against that and try to get on that, or did you find that they once they knew what the deal was that they would just kind of go with it? Yeah, that's a really good question, and and there were probably um, seasons for how well this worked in our family. We right. we opted for a long time not to have a server in our house. I mean, it's not a server, a router in our house so that we, we electronics happened in the kitchen, right? We had a physical yeah. connection and that, I know that that's different. It's different right now at my house too. So I'm actually um, home half days and here at my school half days for the, for the interim, just I have my other um, <laughs> parent is in self-isolation because he was on a business trip in a foreign okay. country when this all came down. And so he's living in our basement suite. And um, so we don't <laughs> actually have him with us right now. So he's just on a trip, you know, like that's downstairs. Right. He's just on another business trip. But, um, yeah. but the, the point of that being is that um, 
I'm not always there to supervise what's happening on the internet. And we do have some, you know, um, controls related to um, access. Um, but I will tell you that this is actually um, electronics and devices um, are probably the number one source of conflict in our home because right. they are so pervasive, both in learning and I mean, like they, it's for everything, right? If you think right. about it, it's a communication tool, it's a learning tool, it's an entertainment tool. They are entertainment tools. And so um, the way it works now, right now during this adapted time is um, we get up, we do the routine, we set the intention for the day because lots of the, the learning is being delivered online after we've done some reading and have kind of just opened a space for this idea that, hey, we're all learning together again. Um, then uh, then we then the boys open up there. I've got two teenage boys at home and they both open up their assignments from their teachers. They work independently on them. Fortunately, I have a young adult daughter who's with us right now. So she's available to kind of just, you know, crack the whip, ship. right? Crack the whip. <laughs> That's right. But the, actually, what's interesting is, and I'm a little surprised at this, our boys they love their teachers, they love their school. Um, and, and that's, you know, probably a generalization and, you know, they might qualify that some, but when they found out that they weren't going to be able to go back to school for the rest of the semester, um, because they're pretty invested in their own education, they were disappointed because they don't want to get behind. And and I, I feel like a lot of children will feel that way. Sure, it will seem like woohoo, right? It's like, you know. Once the, once the snow day wore off, yeah. It, it seemed like it was like I've, I've heard a lot of students that are not necessarily loving the current situation. Yeah. Which is I mean, you understand, like from what what you're talking about with your boys, uh, you get where they're coming from. But at the same time, I feel like it's super important for us to to take the bull by the horns here and find a way to make this like make it a positive spinoff. Absolutely. Like, yeah, we, we can't be in the classroom right now, but there is ways that we can take control of learning to make it so that like this new normal can still be a good thing. Yeah, and at no other time, I think that this is an unprecedented time in like the history of the world, but you know, especially in technology where there is so much positive, good, excellent, um, uh, such a, a, a vast array of learning opportunities available online. We just don't want to let it overshadow the fact that Learning is really, it, it really is something that can be done in so many different fashions. And we, and, and we also know some of the dangers of screen time, right? Just the, you know, the, the connection and the constant reinforcement of it. And our kids will want to use those tools for communication with the friends they're not permitted to see right now. And so, so there's got to be a balance. And that's a buy-in that I think every family is going to struggle with. Um, well, most families will struggle with is just just this idea that, you know, to be a balanced human being and to make sure that we're not, you know, going, you know, tipping the balance into an unhealthy place for any of us, it, whether it's just communicating with each other here at home. Right. If I'm on a device, my back is turned to my kids. I, I am not present if I am connected to a device. And so I've got to admit that. I've got to be adult enough to admit that myself and say, you know what, for certain time periods of the day, we, we're just going to disconnect and we're going to be people together 
you know, we don't have to sort of, you know, sing Kumbaya and, you know, like candles with each other, but we do have to have some kind of positive interaction. Here's the list. Here's the scroll of opportunity, right? Here are all right. the things that we could also be doing during this time. And let's get creative. Let's turn this into a thing that actually, you know, kind of expands our our normal horizon. I don't know that I've seen so many people out walking with their children and their dogs and yes. what as I have just in this last little while because you know we we are we want to be making choices about our lives and not having the choice of where to go and when to do and you know whom to see and all of those kinds of things weighs heavily on people and we want our freedom, right? We want yeah. we want this um the stimulation that comes from having connection with people and places and opportunities. And so anyway, that can all be part of the discussion that's more related to say family culture than it is just, you know, the educational in environment that we find ourselves in. And it is a new thing. Everybody yeah. will be adjusting, right? Online learning, um, distance-based learning is, is a different creature and what we're, you know, what we experienced growing up and what our kids are, you know, used to with the, you know, peer interaction that they get in class and, you know, being able to discuss things and lots of that can still happen. It just needs to happen in, you know, creative, open-minded, but conscious kinds of ways so that, you know, we're not at the end of this realizing, gosh, we didn't connect when we had this time to, you know, really strengthen what it means to be our family. So. Right. Like the, our hand has kind of been forced in a lot of ways that, you know what, like it, like it or not, we're home and we're together. Mm -hmm. And I, I completely agree that this is such a great time yeah. to, to address some of those things. What, who do we want to be as a family? Yeah. Um, who do I want to be as a person? Um, for me as a, as a parent, who do I want to be as a professional? For my kids, like what, what do they want out of life? Mm -hmm. So, man, I, you know, I have to say, Heather, mm -hmm. I, have been positively blown away with uh, with the insight and and everything that you've shared with us. Um, I think we we entered this conversation hoping for a three to five minute segment on a, on a larger podcast. Oh, sorry I, about that. <laughs> you know, I think I think what we need to do though is I think that I, I might I might take a few nuggets from this conversation and put them in that podcast. But mm -hmm. I'm going to release this whole conversation just as a because I know that there's parents out there that need to hear this, that need, because you have such positivity and such hope and such, you know, you make it sound so achievable that, yeah, like, no, we can make this good. Yeah. Um, I was talking to a mom the other day uh, about, you know, just the current situation. And she said, I have just been sentenced to the next three months with my children. And I get, I get the sentiment, you know, like I, I completely understand, like, yeah, like believe me, I'm sentenced to the whole year with them, so I get yeah. you, <laughs> right? But but at the at the same time, I feel like it's it's all it's all on us. Like we get to decide what this experience is going to be, and if we're proactive, I, I just I love what you said about starting your school day the night before. It's yeah. those types of decisions and thinking big picture that's going to make this uh, a positive experience. Where if we just kind of take the path of least resistance you end up wherever you end up. And yeah. I just don't think that that's really what we, what we want. No, I agree with you 100%. Yeah. So, I, if it's okay, I'll just say one more please. thing. Yeah. 
because I, I don't want to, you know, give the impression that it's all, you know, rainbows and lollipops or whatever. <laughs> and, 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 um, and it, and our, our 25 year um, stint as a homeschool family definitely had its uh, peaks and valleys. I'll, I'll say that. And I would say that most of the time it, it was just a call to grow, right? Those are the natural rhythms of any person's life where you, you know, you, you make some, you know, changes and you develop and you grow and then you realize, oh my gosh, I still have, you know, these things that I need to work on. So I just wanted to say, say one thing that, I mean, the lessons for me from homeschooling were, you know, sometimes I wonder if I didn't learn more than my children did, right? And right. one of them was this, that when things aren't gelling, you know, education is probably... Um, Job two, <laughs> job one is to nurture and maintain, but also grow relationships. And so, you know, when stress gets high and when uncertainty is high, stress definitely, there must be a corollary there because um, the, the when stress is high, it's, it's quite easy to... Um, to, you know, whether we call it lizard brain or whether we just call it, you know, defaulting to our habits, but we have, sometimes we have stress reactions that are not our, our healthiest reactions, right? That's human. That's being human. But I, I will say that one thing that I learned over and over and over again, because we always had to come back to this mindset that everything is fixable, right? And, and that's not original to me. I think the woman who wrote the book called everything is fixable. His name is Marie Forleo or something like that. But mm -hmm. anyway, so the idea is get back to the space where it's just like, okay, this can be repaired. Everything can be repaired, right? To some degree or another. And I'm not talking about, you know, things that are fatal or whatever, but I'm talking about relationship related sure. things, especially interactions between parent and child. But I will say this, there is always an alternative to anger. There is always an alternative to anger. I'm not presupposing that anybody's going to be angry at their kids or yell too much or spank or whatever the course is, but there is always, always an alternative to anger. And if you don't, if I don't know what that alternative is, I can find out because there are lots and lots and lots of people wiser and more resourceful than me who maybe don't have my personality traits, you know, who maybe have developed patients that are further down the line than I am. And I can reach out, whether I'm reaching out to an audiobook or to, you know, some parenting mentor or to, you know, an advice show. And of course, I don't have to take anybody's advice either, right? right. I, I have this in, inborn um, uh, sensor right? And it's, it's my conscience, it's my um, internal moral barometer, it's my compass, whatever we want to call it. But I have that to be able to guide my decisions so that I get back to the point where I say, okay, that didn't work. That there, there are other ways, right? We can try this differently, but relationships are job one. Um, well, maybe health is job one. I don't know. <laughs> right now it's pretty complicated, right? Relationships right. are job one. Learning and is is maybe job two and and of course you for parents right now who might be juggling work and um, unemployment or something like that there are there are other things to think about too but there are all there are always ways there are always ways to make and i think our kids are actually one of the best resources on how to make that work so definitely include them both in the visioning and in the planning 
and in the execution and in the taking responsibility for it. And when stuff just goes like all to pieces and you, you know, you have to all have time out. And when you come back together again, just say, okay, that didn't work. What can, what can we do differently? Because here, here's what we do agree on. Right. And it can be right. as simple as um, we're in this together. And, and hopefully it's, we love each other. Ultimately at the end of the day, <laughs> we love each other. But, but that's one right. thing I'll say, because it will be tough. And, you know, I dealt with a, um, a reluctant teenager this morning and my, one of my impulses was to feel kind of hurt because like, Hey, I'm home, right? Like I'm here, I'm yours. They, you know, I've got to work, but I've got this time for you right now at this time. And um, no, he wasn't taking it. And, um, and, and I, I had to wait. Right. I had to just weigh it and say, hmm, is it worth the fight right now? Or can I can I deal with this in a little while when I'm feeling less you know, perturbed by it? And when I can also be more rational and logical and also capitalize on things he's already said. Right. Like he's already said, I really miss my friends. I miss school. I miss my teacher. And this is you know, this is basically garbage that I have to try to learn this hard math on my own. And then we can have a calm discussion about it and say, you know what, this is this is a time where innovation shines. When there's a disruption, this is where we can we can make it better even than it was before. But we've got to apply creativity to it. And there is always an alternative to the negative. So that's my last final word. And I am I'm going to be 100 percent happy with that, because whatever I could have added, (laughs) that is beautiful the way that you said that um i just i I absolutely agree that you know um necessity is the mother of innovation right like we we were in a hard time and Mm -hmm. you look at any hard time in the history of the world and and people that's when we stand up that's when we evolve that's when that's when we really shine so heather burton thank you so much you are for for your thoughts for your um, your wisdom. I am so excited to share this with parents throughout the division. I think that it's a message that people need to hear. And especially right now where there's a lot of people that are, <laughs> that are swimming and, uh, and struggling. So yeah, cheering everyone on. We can do this. We can yes. Help. We're all in it together. Yeah. So thank you so much. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it, Heather. No worries. All right. Okay. Stay well, everyone. Okay. We'll see you. Bye. Once again, a big thank you to Heather for sitting down with me and going over some of these things. I feel like as I, as I listen to everything that she's talking about, I feel like there are so many aspects of, of her perspective that I just feel would be so useful for students. From the students that I've talked to and from the parents that I've talked to, it's a challenging, challenging transition. And I feel like even if it's just taking a couple things from what Heather said and, and implementing them, I think that it's going to make that transition easier and make it a more enjoyable experience for everyone. Once again, thank you for tuning in to the Viral Buzz. Let us know what you heard that you liked and let us know what you'd like to hear. Make sure to send us an email at mhsviralbuzz at gmail.com and let us know your thoughts. As always, be sure to subscribe, hit that furthest right star, and even leave us a review if you've got a minute. Until next time, this is the Viral Buzz.